welcome listeners to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Iron Radio is brought to you in part by www.bingcolorprint.com. Business cards, flyers, banners, postcards, DVD packages, and more can be found there. Occasionally you'll see Phil make a comment on our Iron Radio listeners page. That's not spam. That might be something that you can save at bingcolorprint.com. Thanks. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and exercise physiology professor, and I am a bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Robert Fortress Fortney. I'm a former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, founder of liftforhope.org, and I guess strength coach. All-around great guy. Um, and today with us we have Jeff Starling. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's got to be some kind of crazy hour over there. I mean, thanks for coming on early or late or whichever it is. It, it's actually not too bad. It's only 6 a.m. Oh, not bad at all. Not bad. Pre-daylight <laughs> savings, it was going to be 5, so yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the listeners who don't know, just, just a brief intro of Jeff. He, he's the owner of Grizzly Personal Training in Sydney, Australia. He's also the founder of Sydney Fitness Professionals, an educational and networking group for members of the health and fitness industry. Um, Jeff kind of spent his time traveling around the globe uh, from New York to mainland China and then settled in Sydney where he, he started his business. Um, kind of has a laundry list of injuries and surgeries that we're going to get into later, but um, that kind of has the topic of the day. And uh, you mentioned in your bio that you started out in bodybuilding. Is this where you kind of got your start? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, um, I, I started hitting the, the weights when I was about 15 and just stuck with it. Got hooked very early uh, with the focus of just let's lift heavy and see how big I can get, really. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good mantra. I think we, we follow that pretty closely. Yeah, um, I can't find fault with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us a little about Grizzly Training. I mean, we know your roots are in bodybuilding, but from what I've read, yep. um, your approach is a little bit different. Yeah, look, um, I, I'm. it's become such a buzzword now, functional training, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in yeah, making someone physically, you know, aesthetically impressive, but also, you know, functionally um, adept as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sort of incorporate that into my training. If someone comes into me for... Yeah, 80%, 90% of clients come to you for weight loss. Um, so I'll say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take some weight off you, but also we'll make you just more agile and, and, you know, so you can walk up a flight of stairs without keeling over. And yes, the, the weight might not appear so different on the scales, but you're going to look very different in the mirror kind of thing. And it's sort of, it, it takes a bit of convincing for people that lifting weights will make you lose body fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's such a thing. I say, oh, you know, you're going to set the dials on the treadmill for me. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to do push-ups. We're going to do get-ups. We're going to do, you know, Olympic cleans and stuff. And they're like, but that's not weight loss training. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's all about building that bigger motor to burn more yeah. fuel. 
Um, <laughs> great. Uh, Sydney Fitness Professionals, you, you organize yep. this, correct? Um, let's let's talk about that. I mean, I've taken a look at it. It looks a lot like kind of a, I don't know, a MySpace or Facebook collective of of, of trainers and coaches. Yeah, look, pretty much um, I found because I've been a – I've worked in large commercial gyms and, and I'm now an independent business owner. And I just found that I didn't have a, a network of people to refer to. So if someone came into me with an injury, I didn't have a physio I could refer to. Um, I had a client that wanted to um, start playing soccer competitively and I didn't have anyone I could refer her on to. So I had to you know, get online and, and I thought, this is crazy. There should be a network in place for independent trainers so that they have a, 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 a referral network um, and, and also for, for contract work and stuff. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll make it and I'll see if it works. I'll see if people, you know, I'll, I'll build it and see if they come. Yeah. And, and, and they did and it was awesome. So now we're 62 members. Uh, we meet up once a month and... We have a, a presenter, so I invite a, a presenter to come in. That takes sort of the first hour, and then the second hour is just networking and referrals and sharing business cards, and yeah. That's actually pretty refreshing this day and age. I mean, you see a lot of coaches and so-called experts and whatnot. They they seem to try and distance themselves so much, and you know, it's it's nice to know that you know you know your scope of responsibility, and you know when it's just being able to refer out is a to me, it's a very professional thing. Yeah, and, and look, the, the biggest resistance I have, the, the first um, wall that I hit whenever I try to, you know, I meet someone at an event and I say, oh, yeah, and I run this group, it'd be great to have you along. And they say, yeah, but what about the the competition? And I said, well, how can 10 trainers in a room talking to each other generate any of them less business? Yeah, like it's not like we bring our client book along and start you know pinching names our off trade them. names, yeah, <laughs> trade mailing lists. Yeah, yeah. Like how can how can us becoming better trainers lead to us having less work? For sure. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting about that was that, in a sense, it can almost be a business of itself, just coordinating everybody. You know, I mean, first of all, with two thirds of everybody being essentially fat, yep. <laughs> and there's there's plenty to go around. But beyond that, you know what I mean? I think it's it's sort of a win-win even business model just to kind of help it, the trainers come together where the trainers aren't just your colleagues, but it, I'm not saying they're, they're your customers, but you know what I mean. They're, you know, part of the the business plan itself. So I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. Um and it's something I've investigated making something, you know, sort of at the moment I don't make any money out of it. I don't charge anyone for turning up to the group. Uh, and it's something I've, yeah, when someone new joins the group, they say, oh, this is a great business model. And I say, yeah, but then I'd have to make money from it. And and I still haven't worked out a way that I can make money, uh, enough money out of it to make it a viable you know, use of my time away from my profit-generating business um, without sort of having to pass that on to the members. So there, there's some talks of um, some businesses or, or um, people sponsoring the um, the events, which at the moment seems to be the most sort of viable option for generating some some income, but um, but at the moment, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm happy to run it as a non-profit and just get the people together. 
So what else do you got coming up on the fold? You know, got anything new in the new year or uh, the end of this year coming up? Sorry, me? You personally or, or your group. Um, Phil, are you eating? Gonna... Phil is eating everybody. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> what am I not eating? Um, hey, I'm eating. All right. Right. Well, have, yeah, see? All right. Do you have anything interesting coming up in the fold for, for the new year or the end of this year? Uh, well, my wife's due to give birth to our first in five and a half weeks, so... Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's kind of a, a shock to the system. <laughs> so you're in training as well, then? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually looking... We're in a fairly small apartment, and I'm looking at how we've crammed in, you know, change table and a spot for his buggy and stuff, and yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Well... I say we move right on to the topic, um, which uh, it's exercising post-op, when and how hard. Um, I actually took an ex- excerpt from one of your, your blog, I guess it is. Um, I think it pretty much does a good job of explaining kind of what you've been through. Um, you mm. titled it Back Under the Knife. Um, mm-hmm. After spending the last 10 months recovering from a low back to me and feeling as close to 100% as I can remember, it was a huge surprise, to say the least, to find myself back in the emergency room at Nor- Royal North Shore. With severe abdominal cramps, I woke up in intensive care 48 hours later with the news that my stomach had herniated into the space where my lung used to be through a small opening in the diaphragm, and it had completely been removed. I'll be in care of RNS for a couple weeks while my small intestine learns to become my stomach, then gradually build my palate and stamina back up. Uh, I mean, I've been through some things, and Lonnie and Rob have, but wow. Um and then reading your blog post, you know, how quickly you bounced back and this and that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just tell us in general. I mean, how the heck did all this come about? Yeah, it was uh, it was freaky. So um, the, the lobectomy happened. I got um, – I, I basically – I overworked um, to the point where I got pneumonia, um, you know, working out in the rain, working in the cold, just not sleeping right, not, not resting enough, and you know, really hurt myself. What that actually, when I, when I got the pneumonia, it triggered um, a congenital defect in my left lung called a, a pulmonary sequestration. So the um, so it was the, the, the lower lobe of the left lung had, um, had blood supply and function like a normal lung, but it didn't have any connection to the bronchial tree. So it didn't have any kind of exhaust outlet. So the pneumonia pretty much got in there and set up shop and they all the antibiotics in the world couldn't remove it, so they, they couldn't um, couldn't reduce it, so they had to actually take out that lobe. So that, um, yeah, that sort of knocked me around for a bit, but then again, I was, I was back in training within, you know, sort of eight weeks, back working again, and just, again, sort of, you know, defying the doctors and saying, yep, whatever, you took out some lung, it never worked anyway, so let's get back to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the strength built back up and um, life was just all sort of getting back into place. And then, yeah, it was just crazy. No no symptoms or anything with the stomach. I, I did a full day. We actually shot some video for a, a lifestyle TV show on the Saturday, the 20th of October. That night we celebrated, had beer and a pizza, and I sort of woke up five hours later with this major kind of bloated feeling um 
tried to, to sleep it off, but it got worse and worse. So I said to the, to the wife, I, I think it's something we should go and get checked out. Um, they did a CT, a CT scan and they saw quite a large mass in my chest and, and they figured from, um, from the previous surgery, it was like a cyst or something that sort of grown in that, um, in that space. So they said, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll knock you out and we'll, we'll go and cut this thing out and you'll be right to go. Um, so, you know, they, they put me under and I came to in intensive care with, I think at the, the counter had 18 pieces of apparatus sticking out of me. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and then one of the surgeons sort of came over and sat on my bedside and said, oh, look, we've got something to, to discuss what we thought was a cyst was actually your stomach. And um, it was necros to the point of, you know, complete removal. So they had to t- take the whole thing out. Now, I'm curious, so, why why was there necrosis? What, was it like pinched and ischemic somehow because of where it moved? Or, or what happened there? Basically, there was so much that herniated through that went walvis and, and twisted. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and died off. But the problem was... That had happened a few days, possibly a couple of weeks previous. Wow. And uh, the gangrene was spreading down into the healthy stomach. So it had spread subdiaphragm and was now sort of affecting the, the healthy tissue. Mm. Wow. To the point where there was, you know, they said there was about a third of my stomach that was healthy. So they're just not enough to salvage. Wow. <laughs> oh, so they yeah, did a, a, a RUNY reconnection. So, like, if uh, it's a similar operation as if I had stomach cancer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, now I just have to chew the life out of everything because I don't get the digestion of the stomach. Wow. Yeah. A little hard to bulk up, huh? Oh, guys, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> like. I'm, I'm eating probably a thousand calories on top of what I was. I went into hospital at 98 kilos, ripped, and I came out at 74. Oh, wow! Um, and I've fought like I've clawed back tooth and nail another 10, but you know to get from 85 to 90 is now is just so hard. <laughs> I mean, eating's hard enough for me, and I can you know I don't have to chew. So. <laughs> I worked out. I worked out the other day. I was like, I'm just so tired of chewing. I worked out. I probably spend between three and four hours every day just chewing food. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. Now let's get on to you know when and how hard. I mean, I, I, all of mm. us here have kind of been through injuries and surgeries, and I'd just love to hear your general take. I mean, I know I have mine, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How'd well, you, you, know, about it? <laughs> you You tell yourself you're superhuman. You know, I um, five days after getting home, you know, I still had you know staples in my stomach and all this stuff and all this stuff holding me together. And I thought, oh, I'll just you know, I'll go for a walk, get some fresh air. I'm sick of being in bed. So yeah, I made it halfway and almost passed out. <laughs> um, again, you know, sort of a couple of weeks later, I went for it again and made it through the park. So I thought, all right, well maybe I can. You know, do a bit of a run. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, sort of, you know, every, every month I just try and sort of push it and push it. And it, it's like, you know, when you have a cold and you think, oh, yeah, I feel fine. 
and then three days later, you're like, oh, man, I didn't feel fine before. Right. That was yeah. a mistake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. So every, every, sort of every quarter um, following the, the surgery, I'd go and attempt a workout at the gym. And, yeah, I, I'd think I'd go okay. And then something would happen, and I'd have to stop, and then I'd try again. Um, but it was pretty much 12 months before I could actually go in and lift up something that I was at least semi-happy with. Right. That This whole scenario just seems sort of foreign to me because when Phil talks about the surgeries we've had, I mean, this is the kind of stuff it's more like musculoskeletal. You know what I mean? Sure, but, sure, sure. And I think that's what would sort of be weirdest for me is something that was thoracic or abdominal. That, yeah. You know, that's the kind of stuff. I, I like the cold analogy because, yeah, it seems like, okay, I, I, I feel okay right now. Let's give it a shot. But, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all relative, it's, right? It's true. I mean, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah. You we've we've all had our, our sports injuries, and you know I've you know sprained this and and you know torn that. But having something that you can't actually see and and feel specifically that just drains your entire body is yeah very very different. Yeah. I mean, I know, how would you equate it to this? I mean, I know personally for me, I'll lay out a disclaimer there, because like Lonnie says, I'm crazy and held together with bailing wire and duct tape and bone spurs. That's for sure. But, um, so don't do anything <laughs> I say. But, you know, this started when I was seven years old and got ran over and had my leg pretty much ripped off. Um, I always found that doctors, and rightly so probably, were tentative. Um, and I'd always push it, you know, 10 or 20% more than they said I should. Um, and it's always worked for me. You know, I mean, when they put me in two crutches, I was on one crutch. When they told me, okay, you can go to one crutch, I threw my crutch down and I walked. You know, um, things like that. How, how do you gauge, how did, with, with something internal like this, I mean, was there any way to gauge, I mean, how, because I'm sure the doctors gave you recommendations. Did you just Actually, have to figure out how far you could push it yourself or... Pretty much, and this is actually what's been interesting. Um, there was there was actually three surgeons that worked on me at the time. There was an upper GI, a lower GI, and a cardiothoracic, and they've all had slight, I've, I've had a fair bit of contact with two of the three. And the cardiothoracic guy said, "Oh, look, your diaphragm Swiss cheese. You can never lift any kind of heavy load again for the rest of your life." And I said, "But." Well, that doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm just as likely to put uneven pressure on the diaphragm, you know, going to the toilet as I am to you know, lifting a weight. It's that same, you know, breathing and, and holding. Um, the the lower GI guy, basically the guy that sort of stitched me all back together again. Um, I sort of I ran this scenario past him, and he said, "Look, unfortunately." With your condition, there's no precedence. So I can't advise one way or the other. Yeah. But in my opinion, yeah, you're, this is just as likely to happen when you're walking down the street as it is when you're in the gym. So don't let it stop you from living your life. Yeah. Which is, is, it was sort of quite interesting. And I've got both of these surgeons have written, you know, I've, I've kept copies of all the operation reports and letters to my um, general practitioner and stuff. And, and they're both almost complete opposite advice is one says look go for it live your life enjoy yourself and and have a good time the other one says no 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 you can't ever 
you know, pick up anything for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. I think that I think sort of what listeners can take from that is, you know, always try to get multiple opinions. I was listening yeah. to who's the and again, take this with a grain of salt. Who's the television doctor? Uh, Dr. Ho. Uh, I don't know. Dr. Ho. No. Not Dr. Phil. Not, no. He's the, he's the psych guy. Uh, anyway. Oz. Yeah, that's it. Oz. But he was, he was going on about something about new data that each time you go for a second opinion, there's like a 30% chance that it will differ from the first. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that's sort of a take home bit of wisdom from this conversation for listeners is, you know, talk to multiple physicians. And in in your case, you sort of had the, I don't know if I would call it an advantage, but you know, you had the opportunity to talk to two different kinds of physicians about how they felt about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I think a, a gastroenterologist, which by the way, a lot of these, these GI guys, boy, I mean, they get so creative with the way they replumb people. I think it's worth saying though that the RUNY gastric bypass, that's, that's about the most common gastric bypass surgery, I think. So in itself, I'm not saying that's not major. It's very major. But it sounds to me like the problem was mostly like the what happened to your diaphragm, right? I mean, as far as the lifting goes and that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, mul- yeah, multiple opinions and, and, and moving on. I mean, on topic with the whole recovery thing. You know, typical physical therapy. I remember when I, when I ruptured my, you know, uh, just, it was just my triceps tendon, but, and they had to reattach it and everything. But I remember the orthopedic surgeon, he was a friend of mine and he's like, I'm not having a physical therapist touch you for six weeks. You know, I'm don't just don't let him touch you, you know, and, and he had his own very strong opinions on this kind of stuff. But even for me, it was, it was a couple of months before I was, you know, lifting with any kind of, I don't know, vigor again. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. So with but don't you guys hear, like, um, t- time and time again, athletes talking about you know, post-surgery, post-whatever, that, um, the you know, the doctor will be very conservative in what they'll be able to do in the future. And nine times out of ten, you'll hear the, the actual person who went through the surgery, the athlete, say that, you know, they went way beyond, you know, the measure of what the doctor oh. said that they'd be able to do. I mean, I hear that time and time and time and time again. You I know, was... where they say, you won't even walk again. The guy's running marathons. You will never lift again. The guy's squatting 600 pounds. The guy... I mean, you hear that all the time. So I think I think they're very, generally speaking, very conservative about what the, you know, the recuperation will be. I think there's a liability thing there. I think that's well, I was going to say, yeah, they're probably trying to cover their own butt, yeah. Because I was like, with my latest injury, I was cleared to lift. They moved me from five pounds to fifteen pounds on my bicep, and I went in and deadlifted my first six eighty. So. Oh God! There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, they, and again, they're, they're um, you know they're adjusted to talking to members of the general public, not athletes. Like I mean, this this doctor would have no idea. Like when I said, oh yeah, you know, I used to squat two hundred kilos. He'd, be, he'd just have no concept. You know, that's a great point, right? I agree, Jeff. Fortress and I talk about that all the time. That athletes yeah. sort of have over the years. You build these sort of physiologic support systems. You know, that sort of 
I don't know, come to your aid or you just become more resilient in general or something. And I, and I, I think a lot of people, physicians included, maybe they undervalue, maybe not discount, but undervalue the, you know, what exercise can do for somebody, both with prehab and rehab, you mm. know? So, yeah. No, I think a good point too is, you know, you're one doctor that, that weighed in the value of life. Um, and said, you know, you got to live your life. I mean, that's definitely when I got ran over, it tore out all my arteries and veins and stuff like that. And my my one my my bone uh, surgeon. Sorry, I'm not trying to laugh, man. It's just so no, I know he says it so matter of factly. Yeah, rip it all out. run over. I'm I mean, sorry. I don't my bone mean... surgeon told me, you know, you'll never walk again. You'll never do this and that. And then my vascular surgeon that replaced arteries with veins and stuff like that. He finally, you know, I was supposed to see him yearly. And after four years or so, he's like, you know, I shouldn't tell you this, but he's like, you're, you know, at this point I'm like 12. He said, just do whatever you want. You know, mm. he's like, I'm just going to tell you to go out and do it, do it all, you know, and not let it hold you back. And I mean, that was a big factor for me. And I mean, then I went out to football, I started lifting and, you know, it's just, I just never let it be a limiter then, you know, any injury or, or something. I mean, the hurdles, I mean. Uh, to me personally, I mean, I've written an article on it. It's like an injury. I almost look forward to them because I I've learned to push myself so hard. It's my new thing to 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 jump over, to prove myself. I look forward. <laughs> you know, it's like I hate I hate colds. I would rather like blow a bicep tendon than get a cold. You know, it's just because then I know what the face. A cold is just it sucks. You can't do anything, but. You know, I know what happened. Then it's something matter of fact that I can just put my focus on and come back from. I don't know, but I'm yeah. weird. So. Uh, yeah, you know, Phil, I can't do it. I mean, being a physiologist, you know, just what I know about, I'm always picturing like tissue anatomy or even, you know, the histology of what's happening down in my cells or, and the sutures and the kind of staples. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to rip it out. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> knowing too much, maybe a little bit there. Exactly. Hey, hey listen, though, I got a question for Jeff. Um was was the surgery and everything was this part of the the move toward functional training away from bodybuilding or were you already doing that because you know where I'm going with this because of the you know the so, massive weight gain and all the eating and all that was that part of the of the switch in goals or not really no I was already already doing it and you can see in the the video the reason they chose me for this um, this TV show is because of that approach I already had I mean that was you know after the the lobectomy but it was still you know, pre pre the gastric training. Um, no, I've always sort of been a firm believer of exercise being a um, an enhancement, a, a complement to to a healthy life. And yeah, that, that was always a, a philosophy before the surgery. Okay. Yeah. I got a question for Jeff. You seeing as you run the uh, you know this group and you have speakers, what do you think about having three speakers over from from across? You could fly us over and we'll talk to your group for an hour sometime. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, coming <laughs> yeah, having a week in Sydney would have nothing to you know sort of influence that at all, would it? No, no. But I mean, we'll just come on over and uh, do a live radio spot and then fly on back. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, it's a non-profit, so I mean, uh, I could do some fundraising, so we could get one of you halfway here. Rob's but... cheap. Rob is, he's, he's cheap. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> 
couple what? Twinkies and uh and like a uh, corn dog and Rob's on it. Well, I mean, you guys missed out. You could have just gone on Oprah, you know, and then come out with her. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I can see Rob Fortress Fortney on Oprah. That's going to go big. <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome. That's going to be the clash of testosterone and estrogen right there. Oceans whole, of each. My whole intent would be to have her kick me off the show. <laughs> to ask me to leave. <laughs> Which would probably come within the first couple minutes. Oh, God. So November 09 is when you have... Sorry, I'll get back on track. Um, November 09 is when you had the uh, the stomach removed. So we're, we're a, a year down the road. I mean, are you yeah. back uh, 100%? Are you... Oh, look, it's... I'm I'm definitely a lot better off than I was six months ago, but I'm I'm far from 100%. There's still the the problem was they had to um, where they made the incision. It's called a thoracotomy, so they go in between the ribs at the back, um, and they basically when they went in the second time, they reused the same entry point. So if you imagine they they cut, it's about a 20 centimeter incision between my ribs at the back. And then they go in and they you know, pull them apart and they go and have a dig around. And then 10 months later, they reopened that same incision and re-separated the ribs. So I'm still experiencing quite a bit of pain in there because there's got to be some pretty serious scar tissue that sort of didn't have a chance to heal. And um, and that So in, in that side, yeah, sort of heavy breathing and coughing was still a bit, a bit tight. Um, but in terms of, think as well, they made... Uh, haven't measured it, but they basically slipped me from the base of my sternum to about an inch below my navel, so straight through TA. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, that, that center line, you know, linear alba, they just straight down the middle, yeah. which has taken quite a bit to... Um, th- there was a point where, you know, I couldn't even stand up straight for about three months because it was just so tight. Um, now I can almost lean the whole way back over a Swiss ball and, and sort of open right up. I can do pull-ups and stuff. Um, without it sort of, <laughs> there's been a couple of instances where I've been doing, I've, I've started doing gymnastics as kind of a shift of focus because I was just having so much trouble putting the weight back on and I'd, I'd go back to the gym expecting my body to produce the same results that it did pre-up yeah. <laughs> and basically just setting myself up for failure, which is kind of a, another point. Um, so I thought, well, I'll give myself something else to do. And the first couple of times I did gymnastics, oh, I'm, a, I'm a bit tight. You know, I was up on the rings having, having to go. And I heard this snap <laughs> from my midsection. I thought, oh, no, what have I done? And um, I think well, it was... Well, Phil would be going, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I like how he talks about surgery, too. He said, you know, they just kind of crack you up and dig around. You know, he Hot dog. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. um yeah, but but energy wise, I can make about forty forty five minutes now. Um, but I basically I have to hit the gym on a full stomach and have food waiting for me afterwards. My my digestion and and metabolism is just such a monster right now. It's just it's so hard to keep up with. Yeah, I can imagine. Are you uh are you do a lot of liquid nutrition or anything? I mean, I've I've been avoiding. I've never been into supplements. Um, gotcha. and and I think I may have just. Physiologically, I think I may just have to bite the bullet and, and get into some yeah. weight gainer or something because I just I can't rely on food yeah. alone anymore. Now that now that I'm back training and the metabolism has come back up, 
It is just an insatiable beast. I cannot. Yeah. I, I just can't get enough calories in with food alone. Well, now, Jeff, I was just going to ask, but you've got to take some supplements, right? Like B12 and stuff, don't you? B12 is the only thing. Every three months I get a B12 injection. Yeah. Besides that, nothing. Okay. Yeah. One one thing you hit on I think is big, and it's one that I've found with all the different injuries I've had is, you know, you said you moved to gymnastics because you needed something to focus on. Mm. It's that. Um, with an injury or a sickness or something, I mean, I found that I will always, it's like, okay, well, I can't do this. What can I do? Right. Mm. And I'll find something new to focus on. I mean, you know, of course, I blew a bicep. I can't go out and do powerlifting and stuff like that. So I moved on to, well, I'm going to focus on this. You know, I know this is a weak spot. And uh, I think that's a big one for people. You see so many people, instead of getting down, I mean, I've seen a lot of gym-type people, they do the opposite. and They find something new. Um, there's been several guys that, you know, they got injured, so that, that were big elite powerlifters, and they'll go towards, towards bodybuilding then. Mm. And, and things like that. Um, well, I think that's, I think that's just, a huge. Absolutely. Well, I mean, my shoulder and triceps right now are a little sore and achy from maybe overdoing it the last several months for bench. So, I mean, I just looked at it as a you know an opportunity to focus more on my deadlift, you know, yeah. and just kind of just kind of maintain a semblance of size and strength in my pressing motions. So, but I think that I think that comes down to you know the people who are you know true kind of disciples of the iron bug, you know what I mean? And people who just, you know, you find something to do. Yeah. You know, you can't just leave it. Like a lot of people, and the 90% of people in gyms would use any, you know, opportunity, you know, any excuse of an injury or, or you know, to to leave the gym and not return for three, four months or a year, you know? But whereas people like us, it's like you say, as soon as something happens, you're immediately scouring, well, you know, what can I refocus on? What can I do? How can I work around this? Right. What what kind of new PR can I set, you know? Right. Once you have some experience, damn, you could set PRs in a thousand different things. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, be it, you know, I mean, yeah, there's just, that's the beautiful thing about fitness and nutrition is there's so many, so many things to point to. Um. You know, I mean, I've, I've always been the advocate of I don't care what a person's goal is. And, you know, personally for me right now, it's, it's Highland Games and powerlifting, you know, strength athletics. But, you know, I've got more in common with an elite marathon runner than I do somebody who sits on the couch. You know, if you've got a goal and it's fitness-oriented, go for it, man. And I, I, I'm 100% behind you. And I think that's, I mean, it's noble. And, I mean... That's what I found myself pointed in 18 different directions, and a lot of times it's from been from injuries or, or whatnot. So, Yeah. <sighs> we just some, Sometimes you just have to sort of work with the hand you've been dealt, and that may not be something you were anticipating, but, yeah, you just, you just roll with the punches and you find something else to, to scratch that itch, really, to exactly. yeah, like said, find a new PR to hit. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, scratch the itch, because... Yeah. You know, if you're a lifer, you're going to be doing it. You know what I mean? It's it. Even during the, the times in my life where I've been away from training a little bit, it's always there in one form or another. You know what I mean? It's like personal hygiene or something. You don't just walk away, you know. So, well, Phil does. I, get, <laughs> um, I got an interesting <laughs> – I mean, for me, it's always been this way. I mean – because my injury happened at such an early age and this and that, that might, I mean, that's greatly to do that, 
with the fact that I made such a great rebound. Um, but from an early age, I just learned not to view it as a handicap. And people will, you know, wow, that's amazing what you did. And it's like, you know, I, it's, I, what I tell them is, you know, it's my hurdle to cross. And everybody has their hurdles. And I found that most people that have bounced back from something, you know, bad really don't view what happened to them as that horrible. Um, they just, you know, they just view it as that. It, you know, this is just my cross to bear. Everybody has theirs. And, you know, usually it's those types that make that full or amazing recovery. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what, even being in the, um, the, the gastric, you know, in, in the recovery ward, what I had gone through, yeah, it was pretty major, but there was a guy there who had gone septic, and basically every day he was losing a part of himself. He'd lose a finger, he'd lose an arm, he'd lose oh, a leg. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it's such a reality check. You're like, well, you know, what I'm going through kind of sucks a little bit, but what that guy's going through, I got nothing. I got nothing. Exactly. exactly. So there's, no matter how bad your situation is, there's somebody out there who's way, yeah. way, way So suck it up and, yeah. One of the and best I mean, pieces of advice I ever heard was from Danny John, he said something about, uh, you know, listen, we're race cars. You pull over, you get the repair, and you get back in the race. Yeah. And he said it so matter-of-factly. That helped me get through, you know, my own surgery, which is, you know, small by comparison to what you guys have been through. But I think the principle holds true, you know. Yeah. Pull over, get the repair, get back in the race. What, what's, yeah. you know, freaking move. Yeah, yeah. Get back. Back. You just you, you you know you curl yourself in a ball and lay in bed for the rest of your life like woohoo awesome yeah what are, yeah it's not really a choice you know it's just you know you just go out there and do it and I mean that's definitely I think the minute you see you see the people that use it as an excuse or something like that and you know that's why I just never was able to view it that way like you like you said there's always somebody that has it worse and that's what I've always thought of course because I can't have that excuse. Because if I view it any other way, then, I, then I'll make an excuse for myself. And, you know, I just can't do that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Was there anything else you, you could touch on that uh, just enlightened people as far as just coming back from, from large surgeries? Uh, I'll look you know, at like it. Said, Sorry. You know, when and when and how hard. You know, how did you really gauge... Yeah, look, you um, you know, baby steps, obviously, and you know, you could even when you're saying that you speak to every doctor, you speak to every specialist. There's a thirty percent disparity. There's, you know, your body more than anyone else. Like, and I know what I was capable of before the surgery, and I had a pretty good idea of what I could return to. Um, so I'd go and test the waters, and and you know, do a very very light kind of intensity thing, I always, whenever I have time off, I always return with just body weight stuff and then just go really, really slow and just gauge how you feel. And no matter what anyone else says, you know your body, you know its signals. And, and I guess the beauty of being an athlete is we're fairly well in tune with what our body is telling us most of the time. Um, but you just, yeah, you just sort of talk to your body and, and say, do you like this? Is this going to work? And oh, no, not so much. Okay, let's take it back a step and give it another week and try again. Um, but yeah, just mm-hmm. just keep testing, um, and, and your body will tell you when it's happy and when it's not. Yeah. 
Um, I'd, I'd also add probably um, just erase old PRs, you know, look at them as, as past. You know, I've seen so many people, they get depressed because I used to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, just wipe that slate clean and, you know, be happy with what you accomplished, but, you know, find out what you can do today and, you know, if you can do a pound more tomorrow, bam, it's, it's a post-op PR. You know, you've got to look, like you said, those small steps and something new to be happy about. Well, that was the thing, because that's where the gymnastics came about, because I was like, I'd go to the gym, and it would just be so depressing. You know, like I was, you know, going my, my max. Like the, I could, you know, I was just being able to pick up an Olympic bar and just hold it, and that was just so depressing. I thought, I have to... I have to change. I have to have something has to be different. I have to have a reason to go back to the gym because I know I can't. I was going to the gym expecting to be able to do what I was doing before. And like I said, just, you know, setting myself up for a disappointment. Yeah. So, yeah, give, um, just, yeah, give, give yourself a new focus. And yeah, forget what you were doing before. Exactly. Cool. Well, um, I think it was a good show. Let's tell. It, it, Shoot off your website. You got one for both both your training and then your group, so people might be able to check those out. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my personal site for the for the business is grizzlypt.com. So g r i z z l y p t dot com. And um, the Sydney Fitness Pros is uh, it's actually through a, a site called Meetup, which is an existing sort of networking site. So it's um, meetup, M-E-E-T-U-P dot com slash Sydney Fitness Professionals, all one word. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks for having or thanks for coming on. Um, and we'll, we'll thank you in advance for flying us all over to Sydney. Um, <laughs> yep. To, to speak. <laughs> He's still at it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's more likely um, we're... My wife's Canadian, and we're sort of somewhere on the cards as uh, a repatriation back to Calgary. So we may um, oh, there you go. come and see you before uh, you get yourself out here. Yeah, you guys can, like, snuggle up in an igloo with Rob up in the Great White North. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Since, since Phil and I live in tropical climes. Exactly. <laughs> Comparatively. But... I, I, you know what? I'm gonna have to look at a map. I may be north of Rob. I don't know. Probably, buddy. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. A, it's not pretty here right now. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you very, very much for having me, guys. It was uh, it was quite unexpected when uh, when Phil invited me on. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks, that was Jeff. Good. Thanks for sharing your story. Pleasure. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Okay. All right. Hey, Iron Radio listeners, this is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists is pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness at the University of New Mexico and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.ascp.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh 
industry personalities or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.